Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage, where I'm delighted to be back at the Hong Kong Maritime Museum at Central's Pier 8. It's a while since I've been here, what with Covid, and also the museum itself having a bit of a revamp and preparing for its grand reopening, when the theme will be Hong Kong's Maritime Miracle, the story of our city since 1945. So I'll be heading back to the museum over the next few weeks to hear more about that. This week I join Chief Curator Dr Libby Chan to have a look at an exhibition at the museum entrance which is about the history of the local fishing junks here, called Beyond Sailing, Chinese Junks in Hong Kong. At the moment, the museum is open on Sundays and public holidays, while the rest of the construction work in the other galleries is carried out. And of course, you can also enjoy the drinks and food at Cafe 8. This exhibition is open until around mid-June. I asked Libby Chan about the design of the local Cantonese junks here, which of course is very different to some of the junks that would have been made on the mainland in, say, Fuzhou or Fujian. This is uh, one of the interesting angles we are looking at about Chinese junk. And indeed, for the design of junks that has been used for not just decades, but at the same time, like thousands of years, because uh, the traditions built in different regions, such as in Cantonese type of junk, they have very special uh, way to do it, or Fujian, uh, Fujian, Chinese uh, type of junk. But in Hong Kong, mainly it's Cantonese type of junk. And we also experience a period of uh, motorization and all the junks indeed in the 70s they converted to be run by diesel so a uh, lot of converted work they've been applied on the junks however that you could see indeed when you look at the Victoria Harbor that might only have only a few, which is one or two junks uh, sailing around. Uh, and But in 1960, there's a lot. So uh, what happened that indeed is also related to the development of Hong Kong? So we want to use this um, small exhibition, but uh, with uh, lots of research and lots of very interesting materials and variety of materials, such as the Chinese junk models, the photos, the paintings, and the like tourist catalog and then uh, uh, wear books and postcard to show visitors how iconic and important indeed uh, Jungs have played the role in Hong Kong and as well as lots of uh, in the heart of Hong Kong people. Yes, I think if you look at photographs in the 1960s mm. and 70s, you can still see them as these enormous, mm. you know, with the enormous sails, mm, and, yes. uh, which in essence is quite romantic. But uh, obviously, yeah. if people did have a diesel engine on board, it mm. probably uh, perhaps a bit more polluting, but actually yeah. made mm. it safer yes. uh, for people to get back. But when you were doing the exhibition, so you, as you say, we're surrounded by models. Mm. When you say a Cantonese junk as mm. opposed to, so mm. this, these are all seagoing junks. Uh, yes. Yes, uh, seagoing junks and also uh, some are they are indeed for uh, uh, fishing as well as for like uh, stream catching. So we would like to introduce uh, you guys. Uh, when you just arrived the exhibition on your right, there's a very beautiful ship model called Cham Chen. Cham Chen, that's a very beautiful model built by a fisherman. And then he donated to the museum. And uh, you can see uh, lots of uh, nets as well as it 
was used to catch stream. And it's beautifully done. And it was sailing around the Hong Kong uh, waters uh, as well as uh, can be as far as uh, Macau. And some bigger uh, junks, they would go to maybe Fujian or uh, South China Sea. So it really depends the size and the scale of, of the junk. So uh, this one might not be uh, too big, but that would be in the Hong Kong waters, in the Pearl River uh, region. But some fishing boats, they would go further to South China Sea because there's more fish. So it would be more efficient uh, to go further. And then with the diesel and with the motor, that would be uh, much faster. Yes. Mm. So the, the uh, type of fish that the, the fishermen here mm. were looking for aboard the junk were the yellow croaker or the uh, yellow flower fish. But uh, with the junks in the coastal areas, I mm. mean, did they, with uh, the, the individual families, have their own junks or mm. were there people who had entire junk mm. fishing mm. fleets? Mm. Uh, yes. Uh, usually uh, that would be the whole family. Uh, they would have their own junks uh, because this is where they live, where they uh, have a living. And, and the, the whole lives, and they mainly, uh, in the past, they are uh, mainly uh, Tanka people, and they would not have um, house uh, houses in... No, they live on board. Yes, live on board, yeah. And so for them, usually uh, they would also have some ancestral wooden, the little figure or the plaque, then for them to worship their ancestor. So they'd have a little shrine on board. Yes, yes, mm. uh, yeah, little shrines mm. on board. And that's basically that's the, how they connect their family, even they died. And in our exhibition, at the end of the exhibition, and you can see the whole set uh, of um, the life of uh, fishermen. So what are these? They are the very nice uh, textile that used by fishermen and that the type of textile that is very strong so then they wear it and as well as uh, the uh, big net and different types of tools the fishermen would use such as uh, those tools how they uh, make the nets and also the fish shaped uh, plaque that they they were used for catching fishes. And it's very interesting to see those wheel tools. We borrowed, borrowed them from a fisherman and he's now also kind of convert his business um, and not just do fishing, but uh, more more on tourism side of, of his business. Who's this? Uh, he is uh, Mr. Kwok, uh, David Kwok, and he's also the owner of the ship that except, uh, the materials are also exhibited here. Uh, his ship is now could be one of only a few uh, junks uh, could be found in Hong Kong waters and Macau as well. Uh, so uh, the ship called Xiangjiang Number no. One, Hong Kong Number no. One. Yeah, and it's traditional type of junk and uh, stream junk and uh, converted. Uh, also at the motor, uh, it, because in Hong Kong now, like like uh, duckling, also have motor. It still kept 
the original shape of junk and then the beautiful mask and, and the whole uh, design is very nice. So, so we've got here, yeah, we've got a composing a Chinese junk and it's got the hull, the rudder, the mainsail, foresail, mizzen. Uh, is that another form yeah. of sail? <laughs> yeah, yes. And then the watertight compartments, of course, you know, and the keel. Now, you know, the families would live on board. Um, that was their life, the tanker. And, of course, these days, are there anybody, is there anybody, are there any tankers still living on, on uh, boats in Aberdeen, for example? Yeah, uh, yes, but at the same time, they do have uh, their uh, new like, apartments that yeah. are uh, given by the uh, government in starting from, like, 60s or 70s. Mm -hmm. So lots of them, they migrate uh, to uh, to the land. But still some, like, old generations uh, still uh, keep their boats. So it's more like they would keep the boat song, the fishing songs, uh, even though it's getting less and less. And in the exhibition, uh, even though not in the 20th century, but we also uh, trace back the 19th century, how those uh, fishermen and the junks look like uh, through the eyes of a very famous painter called George Chinnery. Oh yeah, George Chinnery, he, yes. uh, he did visit Hong Kong. He mm -hmm. was largely based in Macau during yeah. his time. Yeah. And uh, he was here when? Yeah, he was here in the 19th century, and then we can see lots of beautiful sketch. It's like how he took photos on what he's seen. And here you can see the fishermen and carrying things uh, mm. and going on board on a junk and then getting ready. And then also there's uh, uh, different types of uh, sketches and also seeing the a woman and a baby and then uh, different types of fishermen, uh, what they're doing. And they, the fishermen are hounding up to a boat and then uh, three other uh, boatmen. And it's very interesting to see those sketches just like photos of of that period of time. Yeah, so it's yeah. George Chinnery's George Chinnery's observation. So you've got uh, fishermen hauling up a boat and uh, George Chinnery lived from 1774 to 1852. So he's here in, I think, in Macau. It's pre the British colony, isn't it? So it's it's about 1830s or so. Yes, he does these. I mean, George Chinnery was a, a wonderful painter, but he also does these uh, lovely pencil sketches which um, give you his observation observations and quite detailed of this fishing life. In addition to the fishing junks that Libby Chan is talking about and the models of which you can see at the exhibition, I do recommend you take a look at the photography of William Hearing, who photographed the coastal trading junks in the 1980s and before, and those photographs appear in a beautiful hardback book, Coasting Past, the last of the coastal trading junks with a text by eminent maritime historian Dr Stephen Davis. In there you get to see the sails of a Fujian junk passing Wan Chai in the 1970s or the look of a classic Fuzhou junk. It's also amazing to see close up these fabulous sails that have all been patched up over the years. But how did these coastal junks navigate? Stephen Davis writes... From what scholars have found out, not all coastal junks will have carried written navigational materials, or at least not until the last half of the 20th century. Instead, many, almost certainly the smaller ones that plied shorter local routes, were navigated down their traditional routes from memorised data. This was learned as a child, often in the form of chanted songs, a common feature 
of vernacular navigation that is age-old. There are indications of it in classical Greek epics, in Viking sagas, in 15th century Arab navigational sources, and in the world of Polynesian navigators. But given the low status of China's mariners, few, if any, of these root songs would appear to have been recorded, and the last junk masters who knew them are today likely to be long gone. So that's an extract from Stephen Davis's book, Coasting Past. Now, mm. tell me with the junk, mm-hmm. it go, you know, when you look also at the duckling, mm. uh, which is still, mm. I mean, because there mm. are imitations made, yeah. but the duckling is yeah. actually uh, yeah. a proper, proper yeah. <laughs> yes. junk, yes. Um, but uh, a genuine one. But with the design, mm-hmm. why does it go so high at the back? I think uh, that would, because of the sailing and also the uh, how it would need to be the like, streamlined shape and to go through uh, different types of uh, waters because in certain areas in Hong Kong, then the currents will be strong and also in Pearl River region. So um, you can see the design of um, chi- Cantonese uh, junk and, and the Fujian, Fujianese junk. Fujianese junk is more, uh, more like ocean going junk. And the Cantonese type, that the, the shape is still streamlined uh, because at that time, how they make the curved shape of the junk, they basically burn it with fire and then uh, uh, then can bend the wood. So they wood. Heat, literally they heat, heat up the wood? Yes, yeah. They literally That's heat quite up a wood. skill. Yes, yes, yeah. So it's really amazing. Uh, in the exhibition or in our permanent galleries, we show a set of tools, uh, how they make junk. You can see it's just very simple tools and they've used for like a long t- period of time. And the workmen, they would not have any uh, blueprint. They do not have any uh, like plan, but it's all by experience. It's all by their memory and all by uh, what the, maybe the fathers told them or the, the master told them. It's the past generation by generation. That's why suddenly in the 60s in Hong Kong, lots of junks. And then 70s, there's much lesser. And then it comes to suddenly a period of time that all the junks disappeared. And now what we have is just a few, but they become still they are printed in our heart as a very mm. iconic, simple. Uh, uh, you can look at the Hong Kong Tourism Board, they still use uh, yeah. junk uh, as their logo. And this comes to an uh, other question about preservation of junk. And keeping a boat or junk uh, with those wood is not easy. So the lender of, um, uh, of the materials from this exhibition, Mr. Kwok himself, he indeed invests a lot to maintain the junk, but he believes that it is so important. In Hong Kong, we still could have uh, junk, not just for tourism, but more like uh, letting the new generation, the young people know junk is indeed very important in Victoria Harbour and in this region and it's part of our uh, shared memory and history. I'm delighted to be back at the Hong Kong Maritime Museum with Chief Curator Dr Libby Chan looking at the exhibition Beyond Sailing, Chinese Junks in Hong Kong. And it's uh, if you come to the entrance of the Hong Kong Maritime Museum here on Pier 8 in Central, it's uh, the exhibition goes right down the left-hand side past the entrance. And you can come at the moment on Sundays and public holidays. And this will be open till around mid-June. And, of course, there will be much more happening at the Hong Kong Maritime Museum very soon. While you were talking there, I was thinking of two things. On Southern Lama, 
Mm. There's the small, very small sort of fishing museum. Mm -hmm. And there, um, people, if you do go over to Sokowan, which is uh, on the south side, uh, so you can just go central Sokowan, and there's the opportunity there to actually creep your way inside a junk and actually um, see the living quarters there. I think uh, about the life, I will also mention something very interesting, how those, uh, how the fishermen keep the expensive uh, materials and then the, all the, the treasures within their own body. The design of how they wear, then they would have the gold, uh, they would be put next to their... Uh, so they'd, they'd keep the valuables in their clothes? They're in their clothes. They wear it every day, basically. So the gold, they would really seal uh, inside the... Uh, what they wear, yes. uh, the trousers, and then... Uh, for security. For security. Yeah, yeah so there's something that's very interesting, just like the traders on land, and they basically they wear everything on the body, but same, the fishermen also do the same. Now, I did know, and he was uh, actually, until about five years ago, he mm. was an advisor here mm -hmm. at the Hong Kong Maritime mm. Museum, and that's Mr. Fan Kwai Sung, yes. who I first met in Stanley. Uh -huh. And at the time, he was actually helping to restore uh, a junk of, and, and an actual sampan of yeah. a friend of mine, yeah, yeah, Graham yeah. Large, yeah. at the time, who's uh, also gone. Uh, is Mr. Fan still with us? Yeah, Mr. Fan, he's an expert. He really worked on the junks as well as the different types of uh, uh, vessels. So, because uh, yes, he's helped with the restoring yes, of yes. like 19, I remember there was my a, bow. Yeah, yeah, yeah a beautiful yeah, yeah. 1950s yacht. Yes, yeah, yes, outside, the yacht was, yeah. yes, the yacht, uh, like boat uh, outside. And he's uh, now in his, uh, I think, 80s. Yeah. yeah, but he's still in good shape. Um, Great, I'd yeah. love to talk to him. Yeah, yes. yeah. So, um, he knows lots of knowledge about how to maintain and keep those uh, vessels and and from uh, the traditional type of like such as junk as well as a uh, more like westernized uh, type of uh, vessels so he has his own uh, shipyard uh, I think like now pass it to daughter oh, uh, to, so they're carrying on. yeah they're carrying on but mm. for himself he's more like really retired but yeah. like still can be in touch so um, there's also another message we want to bring in the exhibition, we do feature um, some shipyards uh, in Hong Kong. They mainly in Aberdeen or in different areas. It's indeed at first they were manufacturing vessels or junks or, or boats, and then they shifted to maintenance and repairing. But now, because of the land is so expensive, and less and lesser and lesser boats uh, need to be repaired, so it's indeed getting less. And this is a business we would need to pay more attention to because there's lots of stories, there's lots of history about this and skills about manufacturing boats and also repairing boats. So if we don't do a proper record on that, then for one or two more decades, then we might not be able to find them, just like the Chinese trunk in the Victoria Harbour. Mm. Yes, I mean, when I go, I go almost daily into Aberdeen Harbour. Mm -hmm. I travel in by ferry and you see some of the slipways there mm. where, you know, a junk or a set, well, usually uh, something smaller like a sandpan mm. is being, is, has been taken out, sort of like a little dry dock so that it can be maintained and restored. So that would have to be regularly done anyway. Yeah. And, and uh, or you take the boat out for, for several months if it's not being used. Mm. But yes, no, I'm delighted to hear about mm. Mr. Fan because I would, I would doubt that there's many of these 
traditional yes. junk makers and, and restorers um, mm. left these days. I would have imagined mm. that most of it has gone across mm. to the mainland, if at all. I think a lot of these junks have disappeared, you know, even the ones yeah. that would have been in Fujian. Yes, and also like uh, Macau indeed has kept a good record and also those junk workers then they're still active in Macau but like who knows uh, after like one decade or two decades yeah. uh, then um, yes life changes and uh, because they got the support from the from the government about like uh, recording all the information and also like the transitions so we hope like after you visit this exhibition you also find that how important Chinese junk in Hong Kong as well as uh, this is very important um, skills that are worth everyone to pay attention to is uh, this is the heritage as well as it's also is a living icon indeed so in terms of people like Mr. Fan or others mm. that might be like him, those that still exist, the Danka that are still, mm. you know, they might not be fishing in the same way yeah, as, yeah, as yeah. before, yes. um, but I still get the occasional sampan across. Yeah, yeah. So is there some sort of oral history project that's been mm. going on to record yeah. their, their lives, their memories? Yes, yeah. Uh, I think uh, like you ask uh, this question because we indeed have two oral history projects indeed. One uh, is on High Island and the other one is on Pingchou and they are both uh, awarded by the Law Wilson Heritage Trust and it's, even though it is a it's quite time-consuming to do those oral history or need to get in touch with them and then do the field works and then like uh, connect with uh, different types of people to talk more. But it's really worth to do that because such as uh, those fishing songs or those memories or the, the experience would be gone if we don't do a proper uh, record. So even though the scale is not big, uh, but we find that it's very fascinating and the outcome hopefully would the research outcome would be put on the display as well as uh, in our resource center then in the future the visitors can visit us and get access to those oral history information but uh, now it's in progress so like uh, very first and then once we got uh, the results and we will share more with all of you part of the materials then uh, incorporate in the permanent gallery once our museum after the construction and come back again and find out more. And uh, so I'm here at the exhibition Beyond Sailing. So you can see uh, the Chinese junks in Hong Kong. So it's, it's a mix of artworks, tools, lovely junk models. So there's plenty of info here, uh, some very old books about mm. uh, junks and some tourist materials. So they've always been, as uh, Libby says, they've always been this icon of Hong Kong. Um, although, as I say, I came here 30 years ago. Yeah. I wish I'd come here, <laughs> you know, or been alive uh, earlier to, to yeah. actually see this phenomenon of mm. them all in the water. Now, how big were they? Mm. I mean, you know, I mean, it's difficult sometimes. I mean, the duckling isn't that big. Um, yeah. Was that your standard junk size or were there some that were really massive in comparison? Mm. Uh, yes, uh, some are really, really massive, like the exhibit ship model in our permanent gallery, uh, which is called uh, Keying. Yes. Keying junk is a huge one. Uh, then they re reach to US and then also uh, UK. Yes. And it's a huge one. And then that also, that's so impressive. It was uh, in mid-19th uh, century. And then it, when it arrives, uh, that was a big surprise. And then uh, the 
Queen Victoria and uh, also the junk also visits uh, US and then there was a, a big heat and lots of people uh, came out and then visit uh, and then see this uh, big chunk. So the scale can be that big. And But uh, the current one you see, duckling and other like fishing chunk, they are uh, relatively small because it's just accommodate uh, one family. And also that's a uh, very, very size. So, um, so in Hong Kong, uh, those are relatively small. The idea of these junks when they went out, so we were saying that it was the yellow flower fish or the yellow croaker, mm-hmm. um, so that's, um, but they would have obviously been picking up other, other fish as well. Yeah, yeah, other types of fish uh, that watch on your dishes yeah. <laughs> daily. So yeah. these, but these largely, I mean, I know that the fishing rules have changed yes, in more yes. recent years, but yes. they would have largely been fishing in what we would regard as Hong Kong waters. They wouldn't have been going yep. too far afield. Yeah, uh, like what, the, what we just mentioned, the yellow flower mm. uh, fish and before have a long period of time then um really banned because there's uh, the loss of fishing uh, that's why it's not easy to get but now the yellow flower fish are getting more and more and uh, then it's more like the regulations are lifting and also uh, the supply from south china sea also uh, would people would assess different types of fish uh, quite easily as well as fishermen, were there also pirates aboard junks? Oh, yes, some of them. But uh, that will be in the 19th century or before. And not every fisherman, they, they were pirates, uh, but some uh, in Hong Kong waters. Uh, and what we can find uh, in those records or old paintings, we find that those junks with the flag, uh, such as black color or red color, or yellow color, then they will make a, a different types of color to express which group of pirates they are. Mm. Yeah, so it's quite interesting to recognize them. In our permanent gallery, we got a very famous uh, scroll, a very long 18-meter scroll called Pacifying South China Sea. It is a record, a visual record of Jumbo Zai, very famous Pirates like active in Hong Kong waters in Lantau Island and um, this area, as well as different group of pirates and how the Chinese Navy defeated him and other groups and uh, other big long stories. Uh, So it's so fascinating. We can see the same vessel used different functions, and then sometimes fishermen or uh, they can they could. Pirates. Zheng Bo Jai. Oh, it would be wonderful if we could do, a, I think he, he mm. deserves a, a whole program all by himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that would be great to <laughs> see you again on that, mm, Libby. Yeah. But uh, you were saying about, you know, some of these fishermen, I would imagine that mm. for economic reasons, mm. sometimes also mm. piracy mm. Uh, would have come about because there must have been extreme poverty. Oh, yes. Um, and it's, very, it's not easy for the living uh, as well. I'd like to introduce the audience a very interesting piece of like stone that you can find in Pingzhou. And when you visit Pingzhou, look for this stele with the inscription that's right next to a temple. And what is described is mentioned that like uh, because in the early 19th century and the Navy, the Chinese official navies, they wanted to defeat the pirates and they would every month they would get two 
junks from the fishermen in Pingchou. So you can imagine the junk, the fishing junk is the life and it's so important. And then lots of uh, poverty and then not enough food. And and what happened? Uh, 12 fishermen, they went to meet the Chinese officials in Guang, Guangzhou and then like, uh, required that no more junk will be given to the Chinese Navy uh, because that why the junk's being given to them because the Navy wants to use the fishermen junks uh, and pretend to be a trading junk so then to attract the pirates and then the Chinese Navy can um, like, uh, defeat the pirates. So this, the whole uh, historical record is now still on Pingchou. So it's really worth to visit uh, and, and uh, read this uh, inscription. So if I want to go to uh, Pingchou, that's just next to Lantau? Yes, uh, next to Lantau, or you take a ferry from uh, Central Pier uh, 5 or 6. So like um, it's just, uh, I think, 30 minutes, and mm. you, can, you can reach Pingchou. And, and if I want to go and see this stone mm. carving, mm. it's near the entrance? Uh, near the, near the uh, entrance. Next to the temple? Yeah, next to the temple. It's mm. quite close to where the, where the ferry anchored, and then we just have a shop walk and you can find it and you can ask around and it's very easy to find it. My thanks to Dr Libby Chan, Chief Curator of the Hong Kong Maritime Museum, talking to me there about the exhibition Beyond Sailing, Chinese Junks in Hong Kong. Thanks for listening and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage.